Hey folks, welcome to the Mountain and Marsh Podcast, an outdoor-driven podcast where we also go in on and talk shit about pretty much anything. Hope you enjoy. Also, if you enjoy this custom music, this was produced by Stephen Mathias Music. Find Steve on his website, www.stephenmathiasmusic.com. This podcast is brought to you by Ward Business Group, Central Maryland's premier construction management and general contracting company. They are licensed and insured and provide a full range of services and products. Their services include, but are not limited to, lawn and landscape, excavation and land clearing, welding and custom fabrication, and snow removal. They also have products for sale, such as sand, stone, mulch, and firewood. Ward Business Group serves Central Maryland and the surrounding areas. Ward Business Group is an affiliate of Invisible Fence brand of Carroll County and Invisible Fence brand of Delmarva. Check them out on Facebook via their website, or you can contact Justin Ward with any inquiries at 410-984-4020. Hi, everybody. I'm here with Andrew Scala with Mon River Waterfowl. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about the tr- like the aspect of traveling to hunt. Um, not just on the topic of waterfowl, but but uh, that'll be majority of what we go in on today. And you want to talk a little bit about uh, your adventures hunting Assateague, even though you're from over in West Pennsylvania. Yep, correct. So, uh, so I, the only traveling to hunt that I do is I I do go over to the Eastern shore and things like that, but, uh, that drive for you is a lot farther. I think the farthest that I travel to do any hunting is like Southwest Virginia, uh, where we hunt the mountains. But, um, for you, uh, how is it, do you enjoy the hunt just as much traveling as you do um hunting around home like for me it, it's definitely that way so how is it for you is it, a, is it a burden or how is it so it's like a different aspect i'll be honest um like the travel and stuff because you know we're working men so i don't get to go out as much as i really want to right and the bird the bird numbers here i mean we're not stugard arkansas so we're not getting a great number of birds as much as we'd love to. So, you know, I, a couple of years ago I sat down and I was like, I think it's worth it for me to start doing like one or two pretty solid trips a year that I really want to do. And then just kind of weed out everything else through that. I mean, it's not a bad experience because I've ran into a bunch of gods who are, there's some asshole gods. And then there's gods who you become great friends with. They're just like normal guys. Like we are just trying to make a living. 
Yeah, I know that you you do a good bit of traveling for waterfowl, and when when you're trying to figure out where you're going to go next and what outfitter you're going to go through or if you're going to go through an outfit or whatever, when you're making all those decisions, what are the factors that go into that for you? So my biggest factor, well, first off is what do you want to shoot? What is your, what is your goal bird? Every, I don't care who you are. Everybody has a bucket list bird that they just want to have on their wall when they come into their hunting room or wherever. So I start off with that and then I'll go, I'll start, I'll just go on here and just type in, we'll say like canvas facts, for instance, I'll be like canvas facts, guided hunts. And then, you know, you'll get like a little foot in the door and then you start watching some videos and see things and like YouTube, especially you just type in canvas facts hunting. And usually those guys will be like all public land canvas back and, you know, Georgia or Mississippi or Tennessee. And, you kind of go off of that, and if you can't get public access is when you kind of want to go towards the guide. And then me personally, I see if that guide has a YouTube channel or an Instagram or, you know, we have social media. Take advantage of it. Do everything you possibly can and all the research you can, and then call. Make a couple phone calls. If you don't like what the guy has to offer, there's plenty more. So your location is primarily based on the bird you you want to hunt, not necessarily the legacy of the the place. Correct. Now, if I'm going to like the Eastern Shore, that's a whole another story. There, that's that's crime, you know, history in the making, right there. I mean, Babe Ruth was shooting birds with punt guns in the Chesapeake. I mean, who doesn't want to do that, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I could, that's that's why I asked the question because you take. Uh, the Chesapeake's fallen off a little bit, so it's not exactly the same, but you take somewhere like Stuttgart or you take somewhere like Louis- South Louisiana, um, you know, you take the set along the Central Flyway, um, any of the states out there, if, depending on the birds you want to kill, if you want to kill specks and snows, you can go out there and, you know, hunt around Texas and a little north of Texas and have some of the greatest hunts you can have around in the United States. So that, that area has grown in legacy as well. Uh, out on the, the West Coast, things like that. So I, I bet there are a lot of people who who play it as they want to they want to go to a place. Um, so you're probably one of the first people I've ever heard of who are going to an, a location to kill an exact bird. Yeah, that's one of the things. I Like this year, I'm going to Massachusetts, Cape Cod. We're going to go hunt common otters and hopefully some white-winged scoter. Just because, like, I love hunting back home. I love taking my boat out on the river, and I love, you know, getting that rare bird that we see. But with the limited time that I have to actually get that opportunity, between going to Maryland four or five times a year, that's like my biggest one because me and all my buddies get together and we get to enjoy that but to get like real world experience outside of the river i that's when i started traveling and i i mean the opportunity was just there now it's expensive and it's, it's costly but if you can afford it it's a great it's a great experience this are these gas prices going to put a damper on your hunts this year well <laughs> they already ruined my sandhill crane hunt so 
I chose to go hunt otters up in Massachusetts because it's a, it's a nine hour drive from where I got to go to hunt, which I've traveled a lot farther to shoot absolutely nothing. So I'm kind of like weighing the odds here. That'll be the only big hunt that I go on other than Assateague and around that area there. Yeah, there there aren't a, there aren't many. See, I'm not. I've never really been. It's funny. Because until I heard you tell me this on the first podcast we had, that you chase after certain birds, I, I've i never been the type of person to think about what birds I've, I've been able to hunt. I just, I just like took what I had and, and I rolled with it and I never, and then now I look at my wall and I'm like, man, it would be really dope to like have some cool shit or like be, <laughs> be able to kill some, uh, kill some, uh, just some cool birds, like birds I don't, especially like pintails. We do have them around here, and they're not as, but it, like if you could go to, I don't know, Washington or, you know, Oregon out that way and hunt pintails out there, and they shoot them like we do, greenheads or whatever around here. It's like that would that would be a really cool thing to to go do, you know? Oh, hundred percent. Like, see, they have a lot better opportunity. I feel like we get the short end of the stick, like. We do see good birds, don't get me wrong. I mean, I've shot it. I've shot and killed very, very awesome birds for our location. I've even seen some, but it's just, if you're not there at the right day and working five days a week, you know, scratching the surface to just try and squeeze in like one or two solid hunts a week, it's hard. Yeah, I I think during, well, I mean, I just had, I just had my second child and I, it's been like, hectic right now work's been hectic we've been i haven't even turkey hunting's my favorite hunting and i have not even been turkey hunting yet this year and I, there's been a month of uh seasons around me and so it's it's hard to not be able to go do it you know and so just like you're saying with with only have a having a certain amount of time to actually do the one thing i love you think i would put more thought into that it drives you crazy. I mean, the turkey here kicking my ass right now. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole that's a whole another story. I it's just around us. It's been uh, it's been pretty crazy. We have a lot of hunters, and the private lands all been uh, pretty beat up. So you either survive on large tracts of public land, or you're just another asshole in the the sea of trees. Yeah, I know what you mean. So. But yeah, anyway, so when you, you're picking your location and uh, you pick it based on the back of the bird you want to kill, when you go, do you have like a set group of guys that you ask first and you're like, hey guys, like I'm going on this trip, who's who's in? Is there like a set group? Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Because like, like I over my years of hunting, I've made acquaintances with guys that I'll take hunting like around here. But when it comes to like traveling with somebody and spending a lot of time in a car and then hunting like trophy birds with people, right. you kind of want the guys that you can always rely on. Now I'm actually going by myself this year because all this, all this shit that's happening, it's taking a toll on a lot of people between their jobs and getting time off and just money in general. I mean, shit might don't grow on trees for anybody. So man, I don't, I don't like, know. It's kind of hard. How, for, this is, I'm, I'm going to just go off on a little tangent here for a sec. Uh, I just seen this the other day on Zillow. So 
how how much has the that like in the last say one year, how much do you think the housing market in your area has grown? Like if a house was worth two hundred thousand, what's it worth now? Four hundred thousand easily. Cause I just saw on Zillow the other day, the in a uh, in a three hundred and sixty five day span, a town that is right down the road from us, their average and they're they're not it's not like a ritzy town by any means. And the average home went from like two hundred and forty five thousand dollars to three hundred and five or three hundred and three in a year and was projected to go up another th- it was projected to go up another thirty three percent and it had actually ri- risen more last year so they're saying that it could e- it could even be higher so it's like these houses are are just I don't know just a little tangent with like shit's getting wild west out here I mean I, I don't I work construction and don't have like and I have a good paying job I don't I can't afford to live even around the areas I work. That's how we are. I mean, I'm a, I'm a graphite machinist. My dad owns the company that I've worked for since I was like 15 years old. I make pretty solid money. And my girlfriend is a nurse and she was like, well, what if we sell our house? We'll get double the money. I'm like, that's awesome. I'd love to buy a bigger house with the, with the farm that I've wanted, but we're going to pay three times the money that it's worth to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Yup. We're, hey, we're in the same exact boat, man. I, we haven't checked this year, but I think last year this time, our house was worth a hundred thousand more than it than we paid for it, and we hadn't put our building on the property yet, which is like a is my where my podcast studio is. It's a thirty by thirty pole barn with a concrete mm-hmm. floor, and so it our house right now is probably we could ask like a hundred and forty or fifty more than we paid for i mean just to start we could ask and maybe even get it <laughs> like oh you probably make would a lot get it of money the only problem is you buy another house and then you got to pay for that one <laughs> yep yep that's exactly it but all right so yeah you you take these trips you got a short group of guys that you like to get, get into get to come to, uh, on these trips with you uh is, is it a burden trying to get people to come along to these these long ass drives to faraway places. Sometimes it is that I'm, I'm fortunate enough to have friends who did like, this is what they want to do. Like we all have lives outside of duck hunting, but when it's waterfowl season, it's waterfowl season. That's, that is it. And that's what we do. That's, I mean, that's why we, you know, I don't want to say successful, but we've been more successful than we usually are because I mean, we just, you know, it's gotten to the point where we used to sit back and, you know, kind of half-ass it and bitch about it. And then we'd be like, damn, we didn't kill that many birds this year. We were like, you know what, maybe we should start putting more time into it between the public lands and then going somewhere and getting ourselves a trophy bird that we want. Because, I mean, there's going to be a point in time in our lives where we're not going to be able to do it at all. And I dread the day that that happens. But yeah, but by then... By then you'll have you'll have a big old farm with like ten impoundments, and you'll have uh you have a guy who works for you a younger guy and he'll go out and put corn in your impoundments every day for you in duck season <laughs> so you can go hunting. But uh, I would. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, we so we do the same thing. Uh, we we sandbag it 
from time to time. That's why some of our hunts, you know, there's a 30-pack and a crown roll fifth in the blind because what else were we going to do? We were just getting away from our wife and kids. But, uh, like, uh, honestly, it's um, we sandbag it sometimes because, man, I've thought about this a million times over. I have hunted deer, turkeys uh, for my entire life and for majority of my life waterfowl. And I hunt like so many different things and I'll go like upland hunting or I'll go rabbit hunting or I'll go scroll. Like I'm just a hunter in general. And so for me to get hardcore into waterfowl, um, let me put it this way. The way I used to be at one point I was very, would rather goose hunt than deer hunt and shit like that. Um, but I, I love chasing a mature buck as much as I love chasing a long beard Tom, as much as I love going out with my buddies and freezing my ass off and uh, water swatting uh, bluebills on the Chesapeake Bay. Like, I, there's, I love doing all of it so much that I don't force myself to take the time to kill, uh, you know, I don't get to kill a 170-inch whitetail because I don't have the time to put into it like that because I'm also trying to kill canvas packs. So, you know what I mean? Like I, I do so much shit and I, I don't, I don't feel like I, I always feel disappointed. I'll put it that way. At the end of the season, when it is duck season, I always feel disappointed in myself because I always feel like I didn't take enough time to focus in on scouting and you know, talking to other people and finding the right spot to be in the right place to be. I, I'm trying to just use old notes that I have in my mental. And really I should be, you know, scouting all year long and stuff. I just can't, I don't, I can't force myself mid season to do it because I'm chasing deer too. That's the problem. I actually had to quit rifle hunting because of waterfowl. Like I'm, I'm still a hardcore archery hunter. That's it's archery first. Then once it comes down to the wire, then that's, it's nice because archery here is going out as soon as waterfowl's coming in. Because early season for me, it's like, eh, I'll swing and miss at a couple of wood ducks and some local mallards, but it don't start picking up till November. So I go and bust my ass trying to shoot a whitetail. If I get one, you know, Godspeed. But um, after that, it's just strictly duck. And then springtime, I mean, it's, it's turkey fever. I have to try to keep myself on a good pace with it all, you know, just because like you said, I mean, you're always so here and there with trying to accomplish everything. And it's like, thanks. So that's, I had to break it down like that and kind of go through it. Yeah. That's, that's pretty hardcore. That's not something that I've been able to do yet. And I, with having two young boys coming up, I definitely want to maybe take some more time. I'm going to get a boat this year. I vowed I'm getting a boat this year. Um, I don't know what it's going to be yet, but I vowed I'm going to have a boat that I can get on the river and on the lake up here and stuff like that and go hunting. And so I am going to have one, and I think maybe water, because they can move around, uh, waterfowl hunting might be something that, uh, on like local ponds, might be something that they could do, you know? Oh, yeah, it's a good thing to start off kids with. I remember when I was a kid in the tree stand, I was miserable as hell all the time. It would be quiet, couldn't talk. Me too, and my dad. I There wasn't a hunt that went by my dad didn't tell me to pick up my fucking feet. 
But <laughs> oh yeah, he'd be crashing leaves and shit. <laughs> now I'm the complete opposite. Now yeah. I'm like, I'll be humble and be like, hey, shut the fuck up, please. Yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely like I'm, I'm like I'm such a hardcore hunter now at in a, my age, thirty years old. That it's like I re- I remember those days and I know those days are ahead of me and I and I get to be <laughs> the dad this time. And so I, I know those days are ahead of me. So I, I do feel like waterfowl hunting out of like a little old blind on a, on a farm pond would be a really good way to introduce kids to, but all right, let's, let's get back to talking about the, I, I knew we were going to tangent, but let's get, yeah. let's get back to talking about. <laughs> so we had talked about it before and you're, you had said, I had, I have some buddies who wanted to know about the traveling hunting and, hunting down exclusively in Assateague or public land on the eastern shore of Maryland. And that's yeah. that's something that I I know that a lot of people in the area do as well. And um, they really enjoy going down there. So kind of explain. I, it's a little more of a hardship for you. It's, it's, a, it's a trip. It's like more of a trip than it is for us. But, you know, kind of explain – the way you guys set up to go to Assateague in the first place. Okay. So before we get into this, I just want to thank my best friend, Kenny Cobb. I know he's going to listen to this because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't know a damn thing about Assateague or even waterfowl hunt. So he's, he showed me all the ropes. I mean, from, you know, I mean, we, from roughing it to luxury hunting down there. So to get things started, it is a five and a half hour trip for me. Um, sometimes six. So what I do is I'll pack up all my gear. Um, I'll head to my buddy Kenny's house in York, PA. We'll, we'll group together, you know, me, him, my buddy Chase, a couple other of our friends, Ryan, we'll pack all of our shit. We'll usually take one or two vehicles, give or take how long we're going to be there. Thankfully, we've been hunting like three or four days. So it makes the trip a lot more worth it, whether we kill something or not. So, We'll make the, it's a three hour trip to York for me. We'll load up and then it's a three hour trip to say the hotel that we're staying at around Apathy. We usually, we used to go to, um, oh, what the hell was that place called? They're on a renovation right now. We ain't been going there recently. We've been going to the Holiday Inn, I think. So we'll get there now, <clears throat> depending on if I have to work or if he has to work, we will actually, wait and then just drive straight to Assateague from York and just start hunting that morning. But if we're lucky enough, we'll get a, we'll get to the hotel before that the night before. And then we can just, you know, start hunting the next day. So I can get at least a couple hours of sleep. Is, is the, uh, so you guys are staying right there outside of Assateague, like right in the area there. Yep. Uh, what is that? I don't think it's called Berlin. What is that area called? Um, it's like, the Ocean City Highway or Gateway or whatever that's called there. Yeah, yeah. The well, the the road you come off is like one thirteen, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, and then then you, you'd make a left and you drive into Assateague down there. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that old road takes you can take that over to like Shingateague where my parents are at. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, yeah. That's uh. So you guys are when you go down, are you? Are you, are you taking a boat? Or are you hunting um, off the blind sites? What are you doing? Yeah, so we want to take a boat. I would need to do a little bit more research on that. But nine times out of ten, 
where hunting at the blonde site that they have. Um, we always hunt the beach blondes. We always make the trek all the way out to the twenties, just because, I mean, we've always just had good success there. I'm not saying that you're not going to have success anywhere else. Cause we see guys get good numbers of birds in every blind there. It's just, you got to have the right weather. So now I will say this though, for anybody who wants to hunt the beach blinds at Athletic and don't take this as like a, like a discomfort or a saying that you can't do it. But I would personally, if you want to hunt, we hunt all day when we go because it's a trip for us. So we, we pack to hunt all day. So we pack our jet sleds full of everything that we need, blinds, guns, gear, decoys, snacks, everything. I recommend going out and buying a jet sled, putting a hundred pounds in that son of a bitch and just walking around your yard or whatever you got to do. Because when it comes time to get out of that truck and walk through that sand into that marsh, it is a pain in the ass. Yeah, that sounds like it. Um, Pretty much what you're saying. If people are a fat, lazy shit, they should, probably get together before they go hunt before they go hunt there yeah i mean and i'm not trying to discard or you know bother anybody but <clears throat> we took a gentleman with us uh last year and the year before he's a guy that we hunt with locally that we became really good friends with he's an older man he's a heavier set guy and he told me he was like i don't think i can physically do this anymore he's like this is just because i mean you gotta you gotta think you're you're hauling at least if there's, you can only hunt three guys to a blind spot there. So you have to figure out how you're going to split up all your gear between three guys to make anywhere from, what is it? It's like a quarter mile to almost a mile long walks in the marsh and waders. You know, one wrong step in a crab ditch and you're up to your, you know, waist and mud. So it's, it's, it's a, tr- it's a tricky place to hunt. It's so a, if you kill something, it's super rewarding, but I mean, it's, you just, you gotta, you gotta go there and explore and just kind of get your bearings right because it will, it'll, it'll beat your ass. What if you ran a mud boat across from the mainland and ran so, it over to your blind spot? So you can't do that. That's, we were, we thought about every possible way. They only have, I think, two boat-in blinds where you have to go from a ramp. Then you take that, you take like a, there's a path to take, I think it's blind 16 as a boat-in blind there. But other than that, it is all hooking it the whole time. Hmm. Yeah, because I, like from from my parents' place, if you had a like a skimmer boat, you could come, it, it would be a ways to get to where you're at. I'm, I'm, not, say, I'm not saying that, but like you could get, to the Maryland line, Virginia line on a boat like that pretty quickly. Oh yeah, for sure. Like I mean, from, even from my parents' could, place. If you could get a mud boat in Assateague, you would pretty much have no issue whatsoever. Their problem is they don't allow that. Um, now I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, do it and hope you don't get caught. Cause the, the way, you know how the Maryland law and stuff is now, they don't, Assateague, the, the guys who work there, and I don't even know when the duck season starts, but there are a couple guys there who are out for 
Like we've met some really good game wardens and stuff and park rangers who love the duck hunting out there and they want to help out as much as possible. Then there's guys who just don't even want duck hunting there. And they just hope that every, if they can find somebody they're going to. That's pretty wild. That's a, uh, that's a very waterfowl area for them to be assholes about it. It's crazy. I mean, when I first started going there about six years ago, man, all the older guys that worked there, they always kept the blind path nice and clear. And the posts were always up to when you were walking the trails to get to the blinds. And they used to have actual blinds there already for you. Um, now, I mean, if you see a blind, it's shot down, broke. I mean, they don't care anymore. There's, there's only a few left who actually care about the sport of waterfowl hunting there. And a lot of that has to do with the people that hunt there. I mean, not everybody's a good person. You know, a lot of guys are, they don't give a shit as much as the next guy. So it kind of puts people a little south of everything. And then, you know, with the constant change and politics and hunting and the way Maryland works, I mean, it's a dying thing over there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a, it's just odd to hear uh, that that area is just so steeped in anything water, right? And and waterfowl being one of the biggest, uh, actually, market items <laughs> at one point down there, you know? So oh, it's crazy. That's what, I've ne- I never understood why they would just let it all go to shit. I mean, I, there's a lot. I feel like if they could do a lot better, but they're just kind of maintaining at this point. Because I think, truthfully, I think they make more money off the campers and the summertime fishermen and um, the people who want to come see the horses and all this stuff. And my, so. my mom buying a fucking beach pass every year and going every weekend. That's that's, that's what it is. Mean. It's my mother. She's she's probably she... <laughs> no nah, no no but yeah I, it's that have you ever been down there in the summer? Um no I've never actually went onto it, the beach. It gets packed down that motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> that, that people love that place, but it it oh, is it is cool. It's like as a beach alternative in the summertime, the beach itself um, as an alternative, the horses are there long as you leave the horse alone you're good but you can take dogs down there on that beach and stuff so it's a it's a really cool beach to go to and that's that's why it gets so busy and they they probably do make like 50 fold the amount of money than they do in the winter time when when you guys are around you know because you have to buy a, a permit to go down to the beach so you have a whole year pass that you have to purchase that's why we go down so much anymore because it's a hundred and some dollars for the pass, so we might as yep. well make it worth it. Yep, the OSV, OSV permit. Yep. So, you guys, uh, you guys kill a lot of birds down there? What species of birds? Like, what, what are you working with? So, we do, now, like, once again, the beautiful thing about waterfowl hunting is if you don't have the weather, you ain't killing shit. But, I mean, there's been times where we go down there and limit out in an hour and there's been times where we're there all all weekend to a week and kill five birds apiece but um we're starting to see a lot of upbringing um this year was probably one of the better years i've seen down there my for me personally um i've seen a ton of green wing tail down there recently um there's black ducks everywhere 
Yeah. You, you'll you get pintails. I was lucky enough to kill a pintail this year in the early season. Actually, it was the first weekend they opened the regular season. I got mine. But we didn't see any after that. You, I mean, you get a wide variety. Gadwall, the Gadwall finally showed back up. They were there all the time. And then two years, two years ago, it's like they disappeared. Now they're finally back up to, you know, where we're seeing them a good bit. Um, shovelers, you'll get shovelers. We've only ever seen them hunting down there every once in a while, but we know a couple people down there who they can hunt it all year round because they live down there. And they, there's like one or two times a year where the shovelers just block there, but then they're gone. Yeah, uh, down in Chicoteague, which obviously is, ju- is directly south of it, um, we were actually out on the boat one day and we were on the pontoon. And we're driving out the creek, and I look over, and there's a split in the reeds, and there's a there's a shoveler hen on a nest right there. I was like, "No oh, shit!" Like I, I didn't even know that they were they would hang around here in the summertime and stuff. So that I was did, pretty, that's wild. pretty wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the majority is puddle duck. Um, that's where I mainly do all my puddle duck hunting at is down there because we don't. I mean, I live in Mallards. We don't really have many puddle ducks here. Like we get them in spurts, but it's mostly divers for us here. Um, now my buddy Kenny, his dad did shoot a ten bluebill two years ago, two or three years ago, and I actually took a shot at a canvas back of Drake about seventy five yards away at Assateague, and that's the only one I've ever seen now. Yeah, I've always heard that from everybody that that area is like like the bay seems to be a lot more active when it comes to the divers than over on the shoreline, which was always very, before I knew how many birds there were and uh, the different types of birds and divers and when I, when I was just a a younger guy hunting in my teens, like I, I would have told, if you'd asked me where a diver ducks from, I'd have said over at the ocean because they dive in the water and eat shit. Actually, it's not really that way. There's not that many of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, you would think that they would actually come into the marsh more, but they just love that bay, man. I mean, now you'll get your buffleheads. You definitely get your in the hoodies. The hoodies and the buffleheads are your, your two main divers that you will get down there. And you'll get plenty of shooting at them. Don't you worry about that. I want a hoodie so bad. I want, <laughs> I want a Drake. I don't know. I think I've maybe shot a hen or something, but I want like a big fat headed drake and i i've seen them down there on ponds and shit uh me and my dad were cruising through the woods down probably right around assateague actually just about 10 miles in mainland and uh, i went through a, a patch of woods and there was a marsh down there and there were some pine thickets surrounding these little pockets of water and we drove past one there were like seven birds and four of them were drakes and i like just laid on the brakes and there's an undercover cop right behind me. I don't even notice it. I just, <laughs> I just slam on the brakes to look at these hoodies and me and Dad are like, Holy shit. And I look back in the review and this cop's like, what the fuck? But yeah, yeah that, was, that was pretty wild, man. There are a lot of hoodies down there. That's I actually got a hoodie. I'm looking at right now. I got mounted. I actually put them on the river here. So if you ever want to shoot a hoodie, man, I, I'm a, I'm a professional guided hoodie guide, man. 
I told you I want to come over and I want to, I definitely want to shoot some hoodies. I, uh, uh I, I, I love those. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, you guys are, how long do you guys stay down here during these trips? We, we try to at least do three days at the, at the least because it's like all that walking and all that hunting, it takes a toll real fast. So recently we've been doing like, we will get, we'll get down there on like a Friday night, Saturday morning kind of deal. We'll hunt Saturday. That Sunday is perfect because we'll take that time to rest, relax. And then maybe like a Monday or a Tuesday. Um, but sometimes we'll try to squeeze like a good week hunt in or something like that. Just whatever works for all of us. Cause it's, it's not as fun if you don't have your boys with you. I mean, let's be honest. That's, that was like our tradition. So we kind of like at least want to stick to at least having half of the group there when we go. But yeah, we try to make it worthwhile. I'd say, you know, I mean, I went down that when that, when we had that big Nor'eastern storm and all I killed was a Drake green wing, but it was my first one. And we were there for four days and it was worth the whole entire time. Yeah. That, that is, that is one cool thing about waterfowl hunting is if, well, hold on. If you're in the type of area like on the bay or, or on the shore where you can, if you're in a position to where you might kill any anything, you know, anything could come whipping at any time. And like you said, make the entire trip that you went on. That's, so. it. That's our favorite part about it. Because, I mean, we were sitting there and I, I mean, I was missing Gadwall, hitting Gadwall and they were still flying away. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. It is what it is. I was like, I had a good season. I'm going to wrap it up. And about 10 minutes later, a flock of 20 green wings landed in the decoys. I stand up, took the prettiest Drake out, shot him, walked over, grabbed him. I said, all right, boys, everything else is yours. I am satisfied. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a, it's a cool trip too, because that area now in the wintertime, it's not as much, but that area has a lot of cool shit that you can, you know, good food, local food a lot of small local joints that that area is the type of area that's very nice to uh to stay at you you know you can do many things there you can on sunday you could go check a bunch of shit out and have a good old time doing that with your buddies and then while also hunting so i I like the way that you guys set that shit up you know yeah that's that was one of the biggest things for us because we were just we were getting fucking destroyed i mean hunting consecutive days like that putting in those hours and them walks i was like we got to figure something out we don't we don't want to go down there and take a day off during hunting like if we if we're there on monday we don't want to take wednesday off just because we're so tired it's just like damn man so that's when we started hunting like trying to plan our trips around a, a good sunday just so we could have that one day and then after that it's full bore and then we can bitch about on the way home do you guys ever have like? Uh, do you guys have like a, a spot you go to when you're down there? Like you and the you and the guys always go to like this one bar. We do have or... a couple. Um, like I have one blind spot that I like going to just because I've always had good luck there. Um, by that I mean missing a canvas back and shooting you know one or two solid birds to bring home with me. But honestly, like I said, man, it's just the weather really can change a trip in, a, in an instant down there. It's it, it's kind of hard to 
it's hard to talk about it unless you're there to see it. Because when I shot my pintail, we weren't shooting at nothing. Absolutely nothing. I mean, a couple birds here and there, way out in the distance. Then all of a sudden, the wind changed. Just the wind. And boom. I mean, we were shooting. We limited out. Three men limited out. We each got a pintail. Or two of us got a pintail. And we were just shooting mallards, black ducks. We even shot a wood duck. I've always thought that uh, that waterfowl were like saltwater fish in that aspect because the way if a tide goes slack or a tide completely flips like the the way that something can change or if the wind picks up real hard like the way something can change for fish in just a blink of an eye like something that you like a butter almost like a butterfly effect like something happens with the weather that the ducks have no control over, and all of a sudden they're all flying. It's it's like the same thing that that fish do with the tide movements and things like that, and weather and things like that. It's just or nighttime, daytime. It's crazy how the ducks and the and the fish in that aspect, both of them really correlate. I mean, it's like air pressure. Who'd have thought air pressure would make you know fish bite or ducks fly? It's just, it, that's the craziest thing. That's what I think what I like the most about waterfowl hunting is like it could be a bluebird day and all it takes is literally 10 miles an hour of wind or a tide change or literally anything. And it will not be exactly the same as it was five minutes before that. One thing that, that I've bitched about with Maryland before is that Maryland is a state um, like Virginia isn't this state where where Virginia, you can just go set up where you want um, as long as it is public land. Maryland being, we don't care for waterfowl hunting. We delegate the waters and uh, any of the land in, within the waters that are huntable. So they have blind sites. And, you know, some of the books I've read and stuff, back in the day, man, you can hunt wherever. So the hunters would say, all right so there's a 20 mile prior wind and it's blowing west okay you just set up under a a cliff face or a bank and throw some decoys against the bank because obviously they're hiding from the wind and then they always kill birds because it's like the obvious spot the birds would be it seems like exactly. every every time i get a blind uh, sight in maryland doesn't matter where doesn't does not matter where in the state of maryland if i get a blind sight I guarantee you the wind's going to be blowing wrong, and the guy on the other side of the the chunk of land I'm sitting on is going to be peppering birds. <laughs> oh, 100%. That, that's the thing about Assateague. It's, it's public land, but you have to follow like these blind sight rules, and it, it, it drives me crazy because in Assateague, there are small pockets of water everywhere. And I feel like they purposely put these blind sights where the birds – I've been getting shot at there for all these years. They're like, okay, as long as we don't go within a hundred yards of that giant white post that says blind, whatever number, we should be okay. And there could be a pocket of water, 200 yards to your south. And you're just watching birds in and out all day, all the time. And it's like, you know, in Virginia, which is why we want to start looking at Chicotee, you can go over there and if there's no one over there, you go over, you know, wreck havoc. You got you got to come with me. Yeah, and my, my Maryland, parents got that place down there. We'll go. Oh, 100%. I'm all about it. 
But see, in Maryland, you can't do that, especially if you get caught. Well, then you're, I don't even want to know what the barrel fines and bullshit are. Well, and like in the state of Virginia, um, you can also have a, a mud motor because you can, like, if you want to go inside of a marsh, it's tidal. But if you think that that pocket in those reeds is you know, down that little skinny water, if you think you're still going to be able to get out and the tide drops, you can go back there and hunt. Um, that's that's I, I've talked to some guys who hunt down there a good bit, and they always tell me like, "Yep, I'm looking to get a uh, some sort of top water motor, and so I can buzz up in those marshes because that's where the birds pile up." You know, big old pockets of water in the middle of a bunch of reeds. They know no no humans can get to them. They just yeah, yeah they that's, fall that's right in there. there. See, I, I'm at the point now where we we had this conversation at the end of the season last year. Um, it's like they're making Assateague unhuntable for people. It's like they're they're trying everything in their power to not let guys come hunt. I mean, they're making it to where you can hunt here, but you have to do this, 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 and that. And if you don't like it, well, then don't come hunt here. Because, I mean, we've been looking for other places and stuff. But <clears throat> it just became a tradition of ours where we kind of bite our tongues and just put our heads down and just soldier on. Because, I mean, that's what we like to do. That's what, we love. that's what we loved about the whole thing. That's what brought us all together. So, I don't know. It's, it is getting old, though. It's starting to become a damper down there. I've always wanted to go down... And this stems from a trip that my, my family took me on when I was younger. I love, we went to Hilton Head, South Carolina, and we stayed there, which very ritzy. If your family doesn't have money, I wouldn't go because you look like a fucking idiot trying to catch catfish in the little, <laughs> cr- the, the canals and there's gators everywhere at nighttime and all the, all the neighbors think you're hicks. But <laughs> it was it like so we went we went from there down to Savannah, Georgia, and uh, we stayed there in that vicinity the whole time. Me and Dad were down there. We're uh, fishing off the beach. We're surf fishing, catching the shit out of black tip sharks and all kind of stuff, and having a good old time. But when we were down there, the whole time I'm like. This is waterfowl heaven down here, man. Like that's one place I would love to go, is to go down there. Yeah, that, that, I guarantee you there's probably some crazy number of just stacked up birds down there. 